Hey there, this is Heidi Jacobs from Origin Point. In this episode, we talk to Caroline Hens of the Berlin Prop Shop. Hey there. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. So essentially, our goal this season is just to talk to people with really unique vocations. Okay. And kind of get a gist of if it was your master plan all along to do what you're doing now, or Mm -hmm. if it was just something that was like divinely inspired, you know, where you're going one direction and you're like, I'm going to be a lawyer. And then suddenly something else (laughs) comes in and you're like, wait, I'm going to go do this thing over here. I see a lot of pottery stuff in the back. Yeah, I'm relegated to the basement today. Uh, We had a ton of recording to do this morning and I have a toddler. So my yeah. husband's trying to deal with my toddler upstairs. <laughs> so I'm in my glazing studio. That's awesome. Caroline, this is Jake. He's my podcast partner. Hello. Um, How are you? I'm fine, thanks. You? I could use some more sleep, but I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all could, I guess. <laughs> yeah. More hours in the day, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start it off then. Kind of an icebreaker. For all of our guests, what's your uh, current mode of transportation? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, because I have a lovely uh, 1994 Subaru Libero. It's like a micro van, like one of those tiny little Japanese cars. But it doesn't work. It doesn't run right now, so I have to get it to the. <laughs> I have to get it fixed. So I'm on public transport right now. <laughs> But Berlin's yeah. a pretty big place, so you've probably got pretty decent public transportation, right? Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. You don't need a car here to get around. It's just that this car in particular, if you look it up, it's uh, it's really special. So <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's perfect. You can transport a lot of stuff, uh, but you can fit into any parking lot. So it's That's tiny, awesome. but also huge. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you have to. It's called uh, We call it the Smurf. <laughs> because it's also blue yeah. <laughs> that's awesome my cool smurf car mine's nicknamed uh, yogi bear because it's brown <laughs> it's also great i feel left out my my car is just orange and ugly i don't <laughs> oh. <laughs> i married into a family who names everything like all the places, all the vehicles, all the trailers. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. I had to learn the whole family, including all the inanimate vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So Caroline, can you describe a little bit about how what do you describe yourself as? Are you an artist? Are you a a scientist? How to put it? <laughs> I uh, basically what I was trained in my apprenticeship or what uh, the main task is of a sculptor at theater is to copy actual existing sculptures or paintings. So you take, uh, for example, a Michelangelo, and you try to copy it in foam. Oh, okay. So with uh, with the conversation, that's actually that's an existing sculpture from a sculptor in uh, I think it, it might be in, in Canada. So I had to copy that sculpture for an exhibition in, in Germany just by uh, taking pictures like from the internet and then um, I would describe myself as a, I think a prop maker it's probably the the best term to use also a sculptor I'm uh, but I'm not an artist like in a classical way I make stuff for other people 
I make stuff for other artists. I make commission work. So for movies and theaters and private persons and whoever wants stuff to be done. Yeah, but in, uh, I think the English words for that are much better than the German ones because the, the, in Germany, if you say you're like a prop maker or a sculptor, everyone has something else in mind. Mm. So, but I guess uh, the rest of the world, it's pretty common to call it the prop maker. What <laughs> is the German word for what you would call yourself? Plastica. So I, I trained it as a, um, I think the literal translation would be a set sculptor. I don't know if that exists, that job in America. Like the people who do the um, the set, the, they build the set design for, for theaters or for movies. So a lot of styrofoam carving and stuff like that. Yeah, they would they would be referred to as prop makers or, or set, set designers. Design. Yeah, set designer. But the designer is... Um, if I think about a designer, it's more like the person who comes up with how it should look and not the person who actually builds it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a bit different because I, yeah, because I don't, uh, I don't design the set. I'm just the one who builds it. it. Yeah. It could be a set builder or, or a construction set construction. So how did you kind of get your start? I don't know. It wasn't a, an after school. It's just like, okay, what am I going to do? And I grew up in a rather small city without any theaters or, I don't know, my parents were not into art or into any like cultural activities and such. Uh, they never took me to the theater um, <laughs> or to any opera house or something like that. So I didn't know what it was like and who that this was a job that you could actually have. So I was just searching for something that I could do. And I was always building stuff like throughout my teenage years, I took pottery classes <laughs> and uh, was always in the garage building stuff for myself. So it was pretty clear that I want to have like a office job kind of, but this, uh, this job that you could actually uh, make a living with building things for, uh, for stages. So I digged a bit deeper into that and did several internships like uh, all over Germany because it's uh, there are two ways to do it. Um, you could make an apprenticeship. You can have an apprenticeship, like a three-year trainee, basically, or you can study it um, in five or four, uh, four or five years. Um, and I always wanted to do the apprenticeship because it's much more practical. So yeah, I did some internships and then I got into the apprenticeship and did that for three years. That's also when I moved to Berlin. And yeah, <laughs> that got me started. So you basically discovered it on your own. You you said, what's applicable for what I'm doing? And then you researched it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, I don't know if it's the same like in America or wherever, uh, where you have to do internships during your school, like in ninth grade, everyone has to do an internship for like two weeks or something. And uh, I think I did mine at a photographer back then. And but most of my most of my friends, they just I don't know, they were all over the place, like different companies, but normal jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, it was really hard to find something creative, which is not like a, an agency or uh, I don't know. There wasn't much apprenticeship I did then after school. They were not in my hometown. They were far, far away. Also in Berlin and bigger cities. And yeah, mm. that's when I knew that I wanted to do that, that I wanted to, uh, to make, to have that apprenticeship. And I figured out that I want to do that for a living also. 
because some people uh, discover during their apprenticeship that that's not really what I want to do with their life. <laughs> but I, I don't think for me that anything else is, um, I don't know, I don't want to do anything else. So it was a perfect match. And I'm really happy that that happened because I know a lot of people that, I don't know, they are searching their whole life for their purpose or what they want to do with their life and they're not, never really happy. And yeah. I'm really happy that I found that, that I can actually make it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, in the United States, yeah. we don't really have that level of career development in high school. It's mostly like just your typical um reading writing math and um yeah you know there's a little bit of arts but it's it's really geared towards the sciences and stem instead so you're really left going to college to try and figure something out and even then yeah you're not required to do internships so you're kind of like spending all this time blindly getting educated for a career that you're not even sure you would fit with. Yeah. But how do you, how do you choose your studies? I mean, how do you choose where to what to do? Uh, generally, your hobbies can influence what you do, <clears throat> such as like your after school programs or um, your okay. maybe like a, a hobbyist group or something like that. Some, sometimes it's related to the school and sometimes it's independently and you can or throughout high school, they have what they referred to as elective uh, classes. So they gave you a list of classes that you could fill your schedule with. And, you know, for me in particular, I, I chose drafting to be one of them and it, it wound up leading me down a path that I really, I really enjoyed. And then when I went into college, I, I searched out more classes for that and, and kind of found a career path for that. Uh, but before internships here, generally what they would do, generally what you can do is during the summer and it's not required, but you know, for a, over a summer, a couple months you can do an internship for uh, different positions and things of that nature. I wish it, it sounds like th that system is much better as far as being able to test drive a career and find what you like. Yeah, well, um, I mean, during school, it's just uh, like in ninth grade, those two weeks mm -hmm. where you find a company that you do an internship at, but most people don't add up uh, like following that career path. It's just, I mean, at that age, you, I don't know, you just want to get out of school. You don't exactly know what you want to do with your life, I guess. So um, most of the people, when they take their A-levels, they go to university and they study whatever, I don't know. Yeah. But finding, like, at least in my, uh, in my surrounding, um, there were not many creative paths to follow. There, I was a bit the odd one out, I guess. <laughs> so... I did not attend university. For me, it was no option because uh, basically I I couldn't afford it. I thought that because you have the uh, much more practical way to do it with the apprenticeship, where you get money, like you are basically employed for a minimum wage, um, and you are at the in the workshop all the time, and also some days in, at school, um, but you get a monthly wage. And um, with studies, you either you do the student's loan thing or your parents can pay for you, which is not my, not the case for me, or you have to take a job aside. So I don't know. Also, the studies is much longer. And I knew that I wanted to, I knew that the, the studies for that particular uh, job or the scene sculptor, it's really old fashioned and outdated a bit. Uh, new people who did it there and I know I knew that it wasn't one to do that. There was no other option left, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it really seems like you you had your eyes open wide while you were trying to figure it mm -hmm. out and and just really looking at what really makes sense in the scheme of yeah. things. Can I spend can I get myself in debt for 4 years to to learn something versus am I going to learn more with someone else kind of teaching me the ropes and teaching me how to have a business and how to get commissions versus in school just learning how to do the work. Right. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I mean, I know I know a couple of people who did uh, um, the study at the university, and it's a uh, it's a good school. No, there's no doubt about that. But um, it's just a different approach of doing things. And I'm uh, I think I'm much more like of a practical person. So yeah, I really just love being there in the company and working every day with uh, all the workshops and learning different things along the way. And it was a really good uh, place where I got the apprenticeship in the end. And I'm really happy about that because I had a great teacher and just overall we were, it was a huge place. Uh, I still work for them sometimes. And they had a wood workshop, they had a, a metal shop and we could just go there and I don't know, learn from them as well. So that was great. <laughs> there awesome. needs to be more of that, I think. Yeah, is there? Um, I don't know if there's a similar system to like apprenticeships in uh, in the U.S. or if this is just a German thing where you have a three years uh, working at the company and they teach you stuff. I think the closest thing would be maybe a vocational school, mm -hmm. where you kind of learn a particular path. Like so, like they they have like carpentry vocational schools where you learn it at the school and it's dedicated towards that specific career and then you can get out into the field a little bit quicker and learn more hands-on in the in the career as opposed to having to go to a university for uh, four years it's usually condensed into a couple of years yeah and then there's also a uh, pretty big unions at least in pennsylvania mm -hmm. for specific types of workers so you're talking like um, carpentry union, steam fitters union, um, steel workers union, that as the trades have become less and less popular for students coming out of high school, those unions have started to reach out and say, you don't need any education. You can come train with us. We'll train you on the job. We'll pay you a fair wage. And then you'll, you'll grow as, you know, whatever your vocation is from just maybe like uh, an apprentice all the way through to journeyman and then a master worker. So they do have that here. It's just not as as visible in regard to like the sculptural arts and, and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. A lot of, as time goes on, people are seeing the value in sharing their experiences and sharing their studios and bringing people in to help them. So there's people out there, like some of the YouTube people, like John Malecki, who are, are taking in just shop help and then those people kind of learn the ropes and then build their own career. So it's happening. It's just not as formal. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really a, a German thing that you, you do that for three years and then you get a paper and on the paper says, OK, you are that <laughs> you are a set sculptor. You uh, I mean, you have and you, and you have an exam, you have a practical exam, you have a written exam about uh, uh, all kinds of theoretical stuff also art history and uh, mathematics and stuff like that and test and if you uh, if you make that you are basically you have the job you you can 
apply for for other jobs or you can uh you can uh, i don't know go into freelancing or whatever you feel like wow that is different than here yeah <laughs> so when you look back at your development as a prop maker what can you look back on and say you know this is where i found my specific identity and how i approach things in my workflow or how i um, might sculpt things in in a certain way is do you have a, a time that you can look back on and say like this is this is where i broke from just being an apprentice to i'm a professional now that's hard to say i mean also during my apprenticeship i was always uh working kind of together with, with friends who were musicians uh that needed stuff for their stage or for music videos and I was always working freelance aside, not with much money involved, but uh, I was always doing projects. Just basically after the apprenticeship, when I uh, got into full-time freelancing, that just continued. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have a. I have a speciality. I don't think I. But maybe that's the best part uh, about it. Just I. I get commissions all over the place. Like for so many different things because I'm not like specialized in one particular thing. Uh, so I don't know, maybe someday I will, uh, I will go to a certain point where I just, I don't know, people ask me for just that kind of stuff, but right now it's everything. So I see slots in your future. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely good to have a variety because it definitely keeps work interesting. You know, that way you can't, you don't get bored of the same, this making the same style of something over and over again. What was maybe your first piece of commissioned work? You mean uh, ever? <laughs> yeah, sure. Or like what, what, what would you, what, what would you be proud to say that that was kind of your first piece of commissioned work? You know, was it even before the internships, you know, did you ever get commissioned to make something in high school or? I had this. This one piece uh, at school, I think it was in fifth grade, maybe. Uh, <laughs> awesome. That's actually a fun story because uh, we had this biology classroom and they had, um, they had this really old model of an egg, like half an egg where you put, which you could take apart. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was a giant egg. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, the teacher at some point said, ah, we could really use a new one. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe someone wants to do some something like that in the future and i immediately thought that i would love to do that and uh i don't know you get you got a good grade for that <laughs> so i <laughs> i don't know i i uh, did like a giant egg model which you could take apart at home uh, yep. <laughs> in my kids room and took it to school and i don't know if it's still there but uh there were Pieces like that, like like all the time during my teenage years, where I just uh, made something I don't know out of fun, or which led to my career later. It's awesome though. <laughs> but I always did. Uh, I don't know. I have a I have a bit of a nerdy background uh, during my teenage years, where I was into the total Japanese culture, manga, anime, and stuff like that. So uh, I did a bit of cosplaying and. Uh, I don't know, making stuff from the mangas so I could display it at home and stuff like that. So that's when I taught myself how to saw and I don't know, got my first sewing machine, like a really cheap one and just uh, tried to make costumes for myself just for fun. So yeah, thinking about that, it might all be, might have all been leading to that 
later on career. So. Well, you've made some pretty interesting props for shows and videos and, and even live stage performances. What's your most memorable piece that you've worked on? Oh, that's hard to tell. That's really hard to tell. Usually I'm, I'm not that uh, mentally involved in the project. Uh, I always have to keep that distance. And uh, I don't know, sometimes I don't, um, not my, uh, usually it's not my design or something like that. So I'm just uh, doing what I'm told to do. <laughs> so I'm not that much involved. But um, last year I was asked to do that, uh, a giant coin for a musician. Um, on stage, it was like a three and a half meters in diameter. And that was because I was basically doing that on my own. And um, I had an exact uh, reference that I had to that I had to work from because it was his album cover. So um, I had this coin basically as a 3D model and uh, as color reference and stuff like that. But I hand carved it all. And uh, then I went to his concert and uh, he's been on tour like in Germany and sold out concerts all over the place. And uh, then I went to his concert and I don't know, he unveiled it on stage. And it was a really touching moment because I uh, I knew that it was that I made that. <laughs> no one else knew. <laughs> yeah. But it's always like that. It, uh, usually my name is not mentioned anywhere, but I know it. So it's totally fine. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's also the same with... Uh, movies when when i watch a movie that i participated in and i can say yeah i made it <laughs> but no one else knows so that's really cool what's your what's your favorite medium to use when you work with large pieces like the coin i work a lot with styrofoam because that's also what i was trained in i guess and it's uh, cheap and it's, and it's really easy to work with so for huge pieces, it's the best. And you can cover it with, uh, depending on if it's if it has to be durable or outside or I don't know. You can coat it with fiberglass and epoxy or just paper or just cloth. It all it depends on the purpose. Now you're, we talked, uh, I, I threw out there the sloth costume a little bit, but... Um, <laughs> It's become pretty viral uh, as far as like the images of it. Have yeah. you seen a lot of requests coming from folks saying like, hey, you make these really intricate costumes. Could you make me uh, a bear or a moose or, you know, or, or, you know, a sloth? Yeah, the sloth, it's a, it's, a, it's a funny story because it, of course, it, it keeps coming up. But, uh, I basically, I made the first costume for a client and they, they commissioned it to uh to shoot um like it's a company a berlin company and they make um advertisement with that or something like that uh but they never actually used it so i did that and somehow i don't know the concept didn't work out for them or whatever it was not the problem of the costume it was just uh it was weird <laughs> and uh, so i had this costume in my closet for about a year and wasn't allowed to show it to anybody because they bought it and it's it's their theirs basically. They pay they paid for it and I don't own it. Um, so after a year, I was asking them if I could at least upload pictures because it was so much work and I really love it and I would love to show it to people. At first, they they were like, ah no, maybe you want to do something with it. Please don't show it. Blah blah blah, which is totally fine for me because that's that's what I do. But a few months later, they were like, yeah. It's fine. Just upload it on your website. 
and that was uh, that was in June, like you know, by the end of May, I think this year, uh, where I finally had the permission to upload pictures. And I was my way to Japan <laughs> when it went viral. I was literally, I was on the plane, and uh, I think Board Panda or something mm-hmm. or some site uh, shared it. And I know that I, I landed in Tokyo, and my Instagram exploded basically. <laughs> That was really terrifying. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, for the next couple of weeks, I got, until now, I think I got about 600 emails, probably, six to 700 emails. Wow. From people in costume. Like, also really weird emails with, uh, yeah, hello, how are you? I really like the costume. Just how much is it? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I'm not going to reply to that, but um, uh, thank you. So I've never experienced something like that before. And um, of course, I couldn't sell it. And it's also, it was so much work. It's like eight weeks of uh, working time on one costume alone. So people usually don't know how much it it's worth. It. So I think they were expecting it, like I could make them one for 500 euros or something, but that's just not possible. <laughs> but out of that, I made a, a tiny sloth on a bike for a, uh, an Italian company that was really cute because they saw a picture of the, the costume, um, the, the big one on a bike. Yeah, overall, I mean, it got me a lot of Instagram followers, but I don't know how much that's worth. So it didn't drive a whole lot of business your way. It was just kind of like, you know, one of those, hey, this is cool. Not really. Yeah, a lot of, I still get a lot of messages from people who just want to buy it, especially now that Halloween is coming up. But yeah, I don't think people, people know it how much work it is and how much it actually costs to make something like that. Mm-hmm. So you I said- made the second one on my own, the second sloth, and I will eventually rent that out for anyone who wants to rent it. But oh, that's a good idea. How long does it take you to add like the hairs to the, just the face of the sloth? Oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, that's a, uh, the, the face is uh, silicon and then every hair is punched in with the needle so it takes a lot of time oh wow but <laughs> yeah i think it really it, it really makes a difference i tried a, a, a few different techniques uh but i think that's that's the one that's the best it takes us to to finish the face so now you worked with a studio helping them out in your apprenticeship looking through all of your stuff a lot of your work is pretty large, even though it's mainly comprised of styrofoam and things. Do you have anybody in your studio to work with you? Have you taken on any apprentices? Uh, no, no. I got a couple of requests uh, throughout the years for internships, stuff like that. But uh, I don't have a, like a regular working schedule. So it's really hard to the project I will be working on in three months. Uh, so it's really hard to take apprentices uh, or interns because I don't know how I can keep them busy, basically, or if I need any help. But too much work, I get people to help me, but I pay them, of course. So <clears throat> I noticed a lot of your works were commissioned from other countries. How do you how do you ship stuff like that? <laughs> it's just large pieces of work. Well, we I I only had a few pieces that were going uh, to other countries um, uh, last year. I had a had sculptures going to Norway and this year uh, going to Italy for example and I have a current project which will go to Amsterdam 
but uh, that are not distances that are so far, I guess. So it's always possible just to, to ship it, to make a, a box, uh, a wooden box and ship it. Hmm. Just looking through your work on your website, what about this, um, the octopus piece? Was this something that you created yourself? Yeah. No, that was uh, the proof piece was also uh, during the apprenticeship because we had different tasks that we should do. Like in every year, uh, the task was to, I don't know, make a skull, for example, sculpt the skull, <laughs> uh, sculpt the portrait. Um, and then I think in the second year, we were asked to make an animal. But uh, the task was always put like, make an animal, but you can choose which animal did all different kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know, a giant rabbit or a kangaroo or something like that. And I really wanted to make an octopus. So um, my teacher didn't like it because he doesn't, doesn't like uh, <laughs> sea animals. Uh. But uh, I really wanted to make that. Um, and it was pretty cool because I made a, a small scale model and came up with uh, the, the welding inside. So you could uh, actually remove the arms, and then I worked together with the metal shop. And I was going to ask, how do you, how did you make that attachment with the arms? Because I, I noticed that there was, they were detachable. How, would, how did you make that connection? Yeah, it was basically two pieces of metal uh, that you could stick together. One would slide inside the other. Yeah. Okay. That's really awesome. I love, I love how it feels like it's actually moving. It's a really yeah. unique way yeah. to, to position it. It's not like an optical illusion too, like that it's actually floating in space. Yeah, I think I I, um, I saw a, a similar sculpture by someone, like with a similar, um, and I really liked it. So I I kind of copied it, but then again, not because I just stole the idea <laughs> and made it my own. Yeah, something floating. Do you have anyone who currently uh, mentors you or maybe who folks who just like inspire you? I get inspired all the time. I mean, I, I started uh, with the whole maker community that really just started off this year, I guess, um, because I wasn't involved in that at all, like before. I watched a few YouTubers, but that's it. Um, I've been a huge fan of Tom Sachs, for example, and Adam Savage years i really love their work and what they do because they're just magical <laughs> but now that i got into the maker community a bit more i find inspiration in most of their works so because it's it's there are a lot of metal workers there are a lot of blacksmithing people and also woodworkers and that's like a total different approach to what i do but it's really fascinating and I, I just love the, how the community works and that they're really supportive. So that's great. It's a great community for sure. And actually yeah. building on that, the, the whole way that I found out about you was through Laura Kampf and she, she kind of pushed everyone to your Instagram. I, I was just blown away by your work and the fact that you're like this tiny person and you've got like these giant yeah. pieces working on it was like really impressive visually um but in regards to that with social media and everything is have you found a way to make social media work well for your business or is that something you're still learning how to how to use uh well it's getting better and better and what i um 
what I'm told by people um, like in uh, in Berlin that I work with or my friends, they always tell me that I'm really good at it, like at the social media stuff. But for me, it's it's uh, not hard to manage like an Instagram account. I don't know. It, some people uh, find hard like uh, taking the time to upload pictures or make a Facebook post or whatever. And for me, it's, I don't know, I do it in two minutes and then it's done. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, especially with Instagram, it's I think it's really working. I got a lot of not like jobs through it, but uh, I think the way of networking and stuff like that really works well. Facebook page ages ago, but um, I think Facebook is slowly dying. So <laughs> Instagram is like the way to go. and. Yeah, especially with, with Laura, I didn't even know that she was uh, mentioning me on the other podcast. Um, and I just found out like a few weeks later after she did that. And I was like, what, <laughs> what did she do? I, I didn't know about that. <laughs> that was really sweet of her. And, and um, I didn't, I mean, we spoke a couple of times, but um, I haven't met her to that point. I, I only met her at Maker Central this year for the first time. and. But yeah, she's great. She's she's absolutely awesome. Well, I'm glad she, well, I'm she glad mentioned she you because you're inspiring and it's really fun to see what you're up to. And the new sloth costume is great. And your new Instagram picture <laughs> with the sloths hugging is even better. <laughs> Can you describe your, uh, your studio space or maybe what you surround yourself with for inspiration? Oh, I found a... Pretty, pretty nice studio, like one and a half years ago, where I'm currently at. In the past years, I moved studios like every couple of years and um, was always like really tiny spaces. And now I have this old, huge loft-like space, which with windows on both sides and an old wooden floor with uh, paint all over it. And I think it was an old wood shop it's a really old house and uh, you know the ceiling is coming down and we don't have any heating and stuff like that but it's i don't know it's half an hour from where i live so i drive there every day and it feels like you're completely in another city and you can just close the door and be creative because it's such a magical place for me and uh, i don't need any more inspiration i guess i mean i cover my uh, my corner is covered with uh, with the stickers and with pictures um, and art from other people. But um, I think the space alone just speaks for itself. Is there any, any singular item that you have that you're like, that you've kept maybe a miniature sculpture that you made to mimic something else that you've kind of kept with you? In my studio, I have like some of my first art pieces and they come with me no matter where I am. So if I'm if I'm in my home studio or if I move to a bigger studio, it's definitely something that I'm going to take with me. And, and it's just, you know, off to the side to remind me of, you know, where I came from. I have, a, I have a couple of like personal sculptures that I have at home that I don't have in the studio. Like I had a, a few years back, I started, um, I wanted to continue with a series of, uh, of, sculpted portraits that had something to do with uh, 
mental illnesses. Uh, I have a piece that's called like dementia, for example, or um, yeah, but I, I started with that, but then somehow I lost track, but I still have the, the sculptures and I hope I can continue with that at some point because I have so many ideas what to do <laughs> with that topic alone. But I don't think I have any really old pieces that I still have. I have the, the, the like from my exam, the final thing that we had to do, I hung that on my wall. <laughs> But just because I didn't want to throw it away. So. <laughs> For any of our listeners who might have an interest in prop building, how would you kind of suggest they get started? Uh, that's that's really difficult. That's really difficult to say because uh, you don't necessarily need to have been trained in something like that. There are a lot of people who just, especially in the film industry, that just jump into it somehow. But depending on where you live, it's really hard. I mean, I went to uh, the Monster Palooza in April and uh, visited also a couple of special effects studios and stuff like that. And I know it's a really, really hard field to get into and to succeed. I don't know, if you're really into it, just keep going. I mean, if, if that's what you want to do, then you shouldn't be, you, you should just proceed with continuing to, to work for it. And, try to get internships or speak to people or just try to jump on a project. And it's really also depends on how lucky you are. Like it could be that you call uh, film studios for years and years and you don't get into uh, projects, but if you're lucky and you call at the right time, you might just be into it. So. Well, thank you but. so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. One of the things that we do for our listeners is we give them an opportunity to tell our audience where you can be found online, what things they can be looking for in the future from you. Maybe you've got a book coming out or a project releasing that you want to share with our audience. So now's your time to kind of promote yourself. You can find my work on uh, my website, which is propshopberlin.com, mainly active on Instagram, Carolina Hintz. For future projects, I really hope that um, I'm currently working on a project for the Amsterdam Light Festival, uh, which is going to be uh, all winter, starting end of November. So you will get to see a sculpture that I made for another artist, which is going to be there, I think, until the end of January. Let's see. There are a couple of projects, but I can't really talk about them yet. So. <laughs> Well, can we expect to see you possibly at Maker Central this year? Well, 2019. Of course. Great. Yes. Yes. Of course. I'm definitely <laughs> booking my flight soon. So yes. you should. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping the stars align and I can get there too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll have to see. Well, thanks for sharing your story with us. Yeah, it's been it's been great hearing more about it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Origin Point. If you'd like more content like this, check us out on Patreon forward slash Origin Point. Have a great day and happy holidays.